Hello, my name is Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will recap a weekend of incredible aviation incidents, and I'll review which airlines have grounded the Boeing 777 in response. I'll see where British Airways' last A318 went, and Joe will discuss Airbus's financial results for 2020. Finally, Tom will take a look at the stunning retrojet revealed by Air Canada. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I really wanted to start this week um, by talking about incidents because this weekend really was one of aviation incidents with several noteworthy occurrences happening. So the first incident involved a 747-400 freighter and this was a plane that departed Maastricht Airport, but it lost um, engine fragments as it departed for New York. So some sources have reported that some people on the ground were slightly injured and various cars and property were damaged um, as a result of the fragments coming down. So the aircraft ended up diverting to Liège. But what I found particularly striking of this incident was that there was a photo of uh, what was presumably one of the blades from the internal part of the engine just sticking out the top of a car. That was crazy. That was a crazy photo. And and, I mean, this reminded me of the car that we saw damaged by the Norwegian 787 in Rome, I think a couple of years back, late 2019. Yeah. Um, And I mean, like looking at that photo, you can only imagine the damage that that would cause if it hit someone on the head. Yeah, yeah, precisely. It was awful. Yeah. And uh, I I wonder what your insurance company would have to say about that. Yeah. I'm interested in who pays for all this, but, um, you know, like, just that happening on a weekend would make it like an interesting weekend from the incident perspective. But it wasn't just that. Sticking with the damaged car theme, um, slightly later in the day, United Airlines 777 caused a bit of a stir in Denver. Um, following an engine failure, parts of November 772 Uniform Alpha, which was operating flight 328 to Honolulu, just rained down over the city. Um So interestingly, this aircraft was the fifth off of the Boeing 777 production line, meaning that it's one of the oldest 777s flying at 26 years old. And I mean, obviously, at that age, it's unlikely to have the original engines that it was delivered on. They would get swapped around and um, whatnot. But it's still an interesting fact, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I mean, some incredible photos of the incident were taken. You know, you could see the um, front of the engine cowling just resting in some guy's yard next to his smashed up car. Um, There were bits of engine lying in fields. And um, I mean, really, there was this um, guy, Hayden Smith, took a photo of the plane with uh, after the engine failure had happened, just flying through the sky. And it's just insane looking at that. Um, and that's not even mentioning the video of it. Um, yeah, the passenger video yeah. was terrifying, wasn't it? I mean, it was honestly, that's that was crazy. But I mean, I'm glad everyone got down safely. And um, yeah. listening to the ATC of it, the pilots did a, and air traffic controllers did a good job of dealing with it. But I know you're going to talk more about the impact of that in a bit. So Sure. Uh, let's move to Sunday. Um, <laughs> this was just one day, guys. <laughs> yeah, that was Saturday. This is Sunday. Um, it was Ryanair's turn to get in on the action. So following a flight from Stansted to Dublin Airport, one of the airline's 737-800 suffered a wheel well fire indication touching down on the runway. So the pilot communicated a mayday to the air traffic controllers and the aircraft was met by a fire crew who examined the landing gear with thermal imaging cameras. But 
they didn't show anything out of the ordinary. Um, the pilot kept asking them to double check and they kept double checking and finding nothing. So um, just a faulty sensor maybe. Then. Yeah, probably. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, I guess, on that one. But after they found no danger, uh, they towed the aircraft from the runway to the terminal where the passengers disembarked normally. And finally, um, also, yes, I say finally, there was a couple of sort of, um, I think, military jet incidents that we're not really going to touch on because we don't cover that. Um, no, it was but, a crazy weekend, though. Yeah. Um, but also um, yesterday, an Emirates 777 flying from D Dubai to New York ended up diverting to Amsterdam after a suspected fuel leak. So while that's not unre uh, that's unrelated to the 777 incidents from United, um, I guess you wanted to tell us a little bit more about that, Joe. Yeah, so obviously this has attracted quite a lot of scrutiny. It was a, a quite dramatic uncontained engine failure. And, and in the world of kind of uh, social media and people having smartphones with cameras, you know, it got loads of attention and there, there were some really dramatic images shared. Um, and in general, I think, you know, the consensus is that the... Um, the, the safety redundancy has worked quite well. You know, it was an uncontained engine failure. By the pictures that have been shared, obviously we'll have to wait for the incident report, but it looks like the turbine blade actually snapped off and potentially damaged another one on its way. Um, yeah. But, you know, I think it's incredible, really, that the pilots managed to control the aircraft. Nothing awful happened. Everybody landed safely. And I think it's important to focus on that. Um However, you know, I'm not an expert. It's not my place to comment. There is an ongoing investigation with the um, NTSB involved. Um, and about midday on Sunday, uh, the FAA um, administrator, Stephen Dixon, said that based on initial information, we concluded that the inspection interval should be stepped up for the hollow fan blades that are unique to this model of engine used on the Boeing 777 airplanes. Um, and then a bit later on on Sunday, Boeing recommended grounding the affected 777s. So we haven't had an official airworthiness directive from the FAA yet. We're still waiting on that. Um, but, you know, obviously Boeing is recommending that it might not be the best idea to fly them and the FAA is saying that inspections should be brought forward. Um, so it's important to remember it's not all triple sevens that are affected here. It's only the Pratt and Whitney powered ones, um, specifically those that are flying the PW four thousand one one two engine, and that is only triple seven three hundreds and triple seven two hundreds, the non ER versions. So actually, you know, there's not that many of them that were affected by the incident. So um, the only ones in service at the moment are with United Airlines and some carriers in Japan and South Korea. Um, so in total, there's 128 aircraft that have been affected and 59 of those were already in storage due to um, the travel downturn caused by the COVID pandemic. So... Um, Straight after the incident, United Airlines voluntarily removed 24 of the aircraft from service, which was its entire fleet with that engine on board. Um, they said that they're working closely with regulators to determine any additional steps and only expect a small number of customers to be inconvenienced. So over in Japan... Um, the Ministry of Land, Infrastructure, Transport and Tourism issued an order barring this type from its airspace. So this affects airlines overflying Japan as well as its home airlines, Japan Airlines and ANA. So 
um, actually both Jal and Anna had already grounded their planes before the order came through. So I guess out of caution, um, they they decided not to operate them any longer. Um, Jal operates 13 of the type and Anna has 19. Interestingly, though, um, Japan Airlines had a very similar incident back in December. I don't know if you remember, Tom. Um, I do, yeah. I was the one who wrote that up. Yeah, exactly. So a 777 lost part of its cowling flying between Haneda and Okinawa. Um, and JAL was already stepping up inspections, but it hadn't grounded the fleet until now. So um, they won't be flying for a little bit. And then over in South Korea, the government has not made any official announcements yet. Um, it says that it's waiting for the airworthiness directive from the FAA. However, um, both Korean Airlines and Asiana have grounded their fleets as a precaution. Um, um, so Korean has 16 and Asiana has nine. There is one more airline in South Korea, which is budget airline Jin Air. Um, it's got four of the type in its fleet um, and it isn't officially grounding them. It's waiting for guidance from the ministry. So I think, you know, in a way it's almost, um, you, we should almost be thankful that not many of these were flying. It's not going to significantly disrupt um, airline timetables and mm. it's not going to significantly disrupt passengers because an awful lot of them were already grounded. Um, there is a little bit of concern over the Pratt & Whitney 4000 which is used on other aircraft um, because the, the engine type is actually used on loads of different aircraft, the A300, A330, A310, the 747-400, 767s, the McDonnell Douglas 11. But it's important to remember it's only the 777 that is actually flying the specific PW4112. And yep. it's only the 300 and 200 non-ERs that have these hollow fan blades, which are thought to be... Um, the potential impact of, of this situation. So overall, I think the impact on travellers and airlines is going to be fairly limited, but it will be interesting to see what comes out of the um, FAA and NTSB investigations into the matter. Mm. Mm, for sure. Well, I mean, even um, when we weren't looking at all of these incidents, this week was a sad one for lovers of the baby bus. So in late March, British Airways decided to suspend its transatlantic route from London City Airport, which is BA1. Um, so this saw Gulf Echo Uniform November Alpha repositioned to Madrid in Spain for an extended stay in the sun, which I'm sure we'd all love at this point. Oh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, but at the end of July, IAG, who owns British Airways, revealed that it would retire its fleet of this just one Airbus A318. So... On Wednesday, the aircraft flew from Madrid to Tventa Airport in Enxerda. I've probably said that wrong. Um, <laughs> Give us a country, Tom. <laughs> uh, the, oh, yeah, the Netherlands. Let's oh, just right, go there with we that. Go. The, the, the east of the Netherlands. Um, <laughs> so it took a particularly interesting route, though, to reach Tventa. So um, while one would typically expect to fly over France to get from the Spain to the Netherlands, this A318 initially flew northwest before flying up through the Bay of Biscay and then sort of uh, flying east over the United Kingdom one last time. Cool. Um, so excluding this flight, the aircraft clocked up 38,075 flight hours during its life, according to the Civil Aviation Authority. Cool. So, I mean, busy it's, it's an interesting one because, yeah, it's, it, well, it's been busy because for a long time it just operated London, New York, London, New York, London, New York, London, New York, with no variation whatsoever. But um, with British Airways 
retiring this aircraft unless it goes on a shopping spree its signature flight ba1 from city to new york won't be returning because uh, the plane carried 32 passengers in a 2-2 life flat configuration but as you're well aware joe not any plane can land at london city and that was the a318 was a bit of a rarity there yeah, it was the last one British Airways had that could actually land mm. there, um, anything bigger, and, and it just won't work. Yeah, so um, at, at the time, the flight could, couldn't even take off from City with enough fuel to cross the Atlantic due to the short runway. So um, it would stop in Shannon to fully refuel, and um, there's a US pre-clearance facility there. So um, BA passengers would clear immigration procedures before flying across the Atlantic and then arrive in New York as a domestic arrival. Yeah. I mean... Personally, I'd love to see British Airways pick up a brand new A320 A220 to yes. resume this route. Um, so if you're listening, uh, Sean, <laughs> um, however, I don't think that's going to happen at any time in the near future, if at all, if I'm being no, honest. No, unlikely. But I'm gutted, I have to say, because BA1 was always a bucket list flight for me. You yeah. know, it, was, uh, it was one that I just hoped we'd be able to do at some point, because how mm. nice would it be, you know, to have that comfort and that kind of exclusivity and then to to arrive in the US as a domestic traveller and not have to yeah. queue or, or worry about your uh, priority pass or whatever. So, uh, yeah, really sad. And I do hope they bring it back. And mm. I wonder what what flight will get that designation if they don't bring it back? Because that used to be Concorde, didn't it? Yeah, I, well, I would assume that it would perhaps go on to one of the Heathrow to New York ones, but it would be a shame yeah. to see it just placed on any old flight. Any old flight, yeah, it's but, kind of a, a special one. <laughs> yeah, um, but if they did end up ordering an A220, where would we find it, Joe? <laughs> uh, well, um, we'd find it <laughs> at Airbus, I guess. <laughs> In the Airbus order books, perhaps? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, um, My so, yeah. failed attempt at a segue there. <laughs> yeah, and I completely, it went over my head anyway. Um, so, yeah, last week saw the re release of Airbus's results for 2020. Um, as expected, it was a pretty poor show. Uh, they lost $1.365 across the course of the year. But it wasn't all bad news because they still have a net cash position of some $5.2 billion. Mm. Um, across 2020, they only delivered 566 aircraft, which was significantly down from the 863 they delivered the year before. Um, and in fact, that's the lowest number of deliveries for quite some years. But it was interesting because almost half of the aircraft were delivered in the fourth quarter. So okay. whether that was, I don't know, contracts coming up or, or just an easing of travel restrictions that spurred them to get some out the door. But uh, they managed to get some deliveries under their belt anyway. Mm. Um, but aside of the deliveries, the order side of things was also quite bad. Um, over the course of 2020, they clocked in 268 commercial orders, down from 768 in 2019. Um, so their backlog is now currently valued at $449 billion compared to $567 billion at the hmm. same point last year. So, wow. you know, it's all kind of gone a bit downhill. Um, and they did have to record a, a loss of $464 million relating to the Airbus A380 programme. Mm. So uh, I, I don't know quite how they work that out, but it's quite often if a programme's coming to an end, they have to write down a certain level of cost. Um, yeah, I guess it's like just writing off the machines that were being used to make it that are now obsolete and stuff like that, yeah. I guess, if it's not reached its full value. 
I guess so. But that's just off the top of my head, so don't yeah. take that as, <laughs> as, a, as truth. <laughs> it was a, it was another hit though in a in a pretty tough year. Yeah. Um, as I mentioned though, their net cash position is still pretty healthy, um, although it has fallen by sixty six percent from where it was in twenty nineteen. But I found it interesting that they still recorded one hundred and thirty one thousand employees, mm. just three percent less than they had at the same time last year. Yeah. So you know, despite all the rumours of layoffs and and furlough. You know, it seems that they've managed to maintain most of their workforce, which is great. Um, Mm. You know, I wish we could say the same for airlines, (laughs) but uh, that's another story. Um, But one of the interesting things at the um, earnings call was that their CEO, Gwilem Fori, mentioned that he does take the competition from Comax C919 somewhat seriously. So, as you know, Tom, Comax working through the certification process for the C919, which is a a narrow body that looks suspiciously like an Airbus A320, but (laughs) obviously with their own little twist on it. Um, There's been so many delays to the process program over the years. Um, But things were starting to look up towards the end of 2020. Um, It took its first public sort of maiden flight at an air show in October. Um, And towards the end of the year, it's the COMAX said that they were expecting their first delivery at the end of this year. So Mm. things were kind of moving along quite fast. And actually, the aircraft went up to the north of China um, in the Hullenbuer region. I've probably butchered that as well for extreme (laughs) cold weather tests, which it completed in January. Um, And it was supposed to be going over to Canada for natural icing flight tests um, at the beginning of March. Um, However, as we know, Canada's really kind of tightened up their restrictions on incoming travellers. So, um, you know, it's impossible really for for foreign people to visit China, uh, Canada at at the moment. So, Mm. Well, um, and China. Well, and China, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, so obviously, it's it's meant it's much too difficult to do these um, icing tests, and the next opportunity to do them will not be until October, November. Um, so it's likely to set back the timeline for the first delivery. You know, they haven't said so officially, but it's unlikely if they're still doing testing back in October that we're going to see them really um, making that delivery by the end of the year. And overall, I think people are quite dubious about the success of the C nine one nine outside China. But however, Hmm. Airbus says they're taking it seriously. And Foray's words were, we are watching carefully what's happening there. Um, He did admit it will take some time for Comac to find its place in commercial aviation. But uh, we could see some support. Uh, There's a certain little blue airline around here that uh, previously placed (laughs) Blue and yellow. Blue and yellow. (laughs) Previously placed a memorandum of understanding way back like 10 years ago now. Um, Yeah. That was Ryanair. And when you spoke to um, Michael O'Leary last year, Tom, he said that they are still committed. Is that right? Yeah. So, I mean, I chatted to him. um, It was about a year ago now, actually. And, um, you know, like I asked him about this because, you know, they they made the um, memorandum of understanding um 10 years ago but since then there's there's like if you google it there's nothing really in the news about it um yeah but he said like they're still committed to it to their memorandum of understanding and um he was just very clear that we need a sort of third player out of the airbus boeing duopoly so anyone's a welcome addition there yeah sure i mean i guess for o'leary if the price is right he'll go for it yeah well you i mean and you've got to factor in safety as well but well, absolutely. You know, I don't think he's going to go for an unsafe aircraft. Not that I'm not saying that that is an unsafe aircraft. I'm just saying no, it's got it to be properly like, certified. Go for it. No, yeah. absolutely. So anyway, that's what Airbus has been doing. What did you hmm. want to tell us about Air Canada this week? 
Yeah, so I just kind of wanted to wrap up with sort of um, staying on the Airbus theme, um, Air Canada's latest retrojet. And you know me, Joe, I love a retrojet. Yeah, <laughs> um, don't we all, Tom? <laughs> yeah. So this weekend, um, the, the airline revealed its newest A220 to the world. But rather than wearing the standard white and black Air Canada livery, it instead wears the, wears the old um, Trans-Canada Airlines livery. So the Trans-Canada Airlines livery is predominantly grey with a red and white stripe along the middle of the aircraft at the window level. On the tail, it's got a detailed maple leaf in a gold circle with the letters TCA. And at the top of the ring, which I found fascinating, it features the BOAC Speedbird logo. Yeah. Um, so this really confused me. So I had to do a little bit of digging with our help, uh, the help of our colleague Summit, who's our history buff. And it turns out that um, there was originally a completely different backwards upside down originally designed speedbird on the tca aircraft but sometime right. around the 1960s uh, it turns out that someone just used the boac one by mistake and it's just stuck ever since um, <laughs> crazy so, so yeah, no I real mean, no real logic to it <laughs> no just it just seems it to be like a, a happy coincidence but um <laughs> you know it was um it, it's been on the previous aircraft that wore this livery and that was an a3 19 which it got the tca livery in 1997 but the airline withdrew it from service in january which i think is the really nice part of this story because they could have just said right it's gone we're um getting rid of the livery which is a bit like what ba has done they haven't paint, uh, said that they're gonna paint the liveries on the retro jets on anything else yet um, but Air Canada's like, no, we're getting rid of the retrojet, so let's make a new retrojet. Yeah, um, no, it looks really nice as well. I think it's very different. And uh, yeah. yeah, it'll be uh, exciting to see it arriving in airports somewhere near you sometime soon, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, they've still got to take delivery of it, obviously, first. But um, here's hoping that it's not too long. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's all we've got time for for today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a rating on your favourite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.